text, it says, it is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of those nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you, and that he may fulfill the word which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. Hear that again. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you, and that he may fulfill the word which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. The next scripture here, uh, just listen to it. It says this, listen. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. Say amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We love you. In Jesus' name. <laughs> amen. I want to speak to you today from the topic, Covenant, the Game Changer. Covenant, the game changer. A game changer is a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. That's what a game changer is. Everybody really listen now, really tune in to me. A game changer is a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant it, it 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 implies that if this didn't happen everything would continue on as it had been how many of you need some things changed We need some things to change. Covenant is a game changer. When we introduce the idea of God's covenant to any circumstance, something shifts. You live with a different level of confidence when you trust in the covenant-keeping power of God. We worry a lot about stuff that covenant has already covered. And I read that first scripture, that first scripture, not so that I could call you stiff neck. That wasn't my purpose because it applies to all of us. So that you understand what stiff neck means. Stiff neck means it, it is a, a, a Hebrew idiom that describes an animal upon which they wish they, they want to place the yoke. And the animal stiffens its neck so that the yoke won't fit. But if you don't allow the yoke to be placed, you can't be led. He said, my yoke is easy, so loosen up. Let me be in control because I know what I'm doing. But we keep fighting God. We keep stiffening our necks. We, we won't trust him because we don't know the power of covenant. The promises of God in him are God cannot lie. Now you've met some people and they say 
I don't lie. But God can't lie. It's not that he refuses to do so. It is impossible for him to do so. So when God decrees a thing, it has to happen. Look around you at all of the manifestations of Scripture today. People are panicking and losing their minds because of all of the things that are happening in the world system today. But the Bible prophesied it. And since God can't lie, it had to happen. What ought to happen is we ought to go deeper into God. The more we see this stuff happening in the world, let the church say amen. Somebody tap your neighbor and say, playing church is over. It's been over. We don't have time for that anymore. Watch the news and you'll know this is not the time for that. Coming to church and then leaving out and then living any kind of life we want to. No time for that. Because let me tell you something about covenant. It works two ways. There's a covenant to bless, but there's also a covenant to correct. And if God promises that he's going to correct us, if we get out of line, guess what? Correction is what? Coming. Now, the thing about covenant apostle is that there's a covenant that God makes simply because God wants to be good to you. And then there's a covenant, Elder Johnson, that God makes with you, and he asks you to participate with him. So there's that if and then, which says that if you do this, I'll do that. And if you do that, God is bound, he has bound himself to perform whatever he's promised. But on the other hand, apostle, there's some promises that God has made that have nothing to do with your performance. It has everything to do with the heart of God wanting to do what he's going to do. That's why I read this scripture from Deuteronomy, because he's saying to Israel, I'm not doing this because of you. I'm not doing this because you're holy. I'm not doing this because you pray right. I'm not doing this because you quoted scripture. I am simply doing this because I promised to do it. He said, in fact, I shouldn't do it because you're stiff-necked. But because I promised, I'm going to make it come to pass. Somebody shout, God's promise is coming to me. Lasana, you live at a different level, on a different plateau, when you understand that whatever God promised to Lasana, Rivers Brown, is going to come to pass, no matter what it looks like. It took 42 generations to get the Messiah in the earth. Time don't mean nothing to God, baby. Can I prophesy to you? Time means nothing to God. Don't you put God on a clock. He walks with Abraham and he says to Abraham, I'm going to, you come and you come with me. You follow me. He says, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. Your seed going to bless the whole nation. Your seed, your seed, duh, not seeds. Your seed is going to be a blessing to the whole world. Your seed, duh. You're going to have seeds, but your seed is going to be the blessing. And he manifests himself, he, a man who's old, no baby. Y'all help me, y'all understand, a man who's old, Abraham, old in his 90s, has no child. Huh? What's this going to happen? He tries to have one through his, uh, his wife's servant, Hagar, and that ain't the one. And then God manifests a man named uh, Isaac, and then Isaac comes, and then Isaac has a son named Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons, and now we have the 12 tribes of Israel. And then, and then Joseph is sold by the other 11 in the captivity, and he's in Egypt. He, so he goes in Egypt, becomes 
prime minister. He goes through, you know, the pit, the prison, uh, pit, the pit, the pit, part of his house, then prison, then the prime minister of all of Egypt, and he's there. And then there's a famine in the land, Portia. And during the famine in the land, the family has to go get something to eat. And who do they have to buy from? They have to buy from Joseph because God has given Joseph the gift to be able to see things coming and the gift of planning. So he's got them in a wealthy place. He's got Egypt in a wealthy place. And somebody say amen. And then, But then the people of God are in a poverty-stricken place. But there's purpose in that because he promised Abraham, he said, your people are going to be kept in captivity for 400 years. And so in order to get them there, he had to hell have the sons to sell Joseph. See, they couldn't have gone to captivity if Joseph didn't get sold. See, you got to watch God work it out. He tells Abraham, your people are going to be in captivity for 400 years. So in order to make that happen, Joseph has to be sold. Because then, the, then, the, then he has to have that time of, of, of famine come. And then they have to go to him. And then Joseph has to recognize them. And then Joseph has to put the money back in the bags. Come on, y'all. And it manifests itself to the point where now they live in Egypt with Joseph. But then Pharaoh, and Pharaoh that knew not Joseph comes along. And he knows that um, Joseph's family is growing like crazy. And he gets afraid thinking that maybe they'll get together with another nation. And they'll attack us. And they'll overtake us. So we're going to afflict them but the Bible says that the more they afflicted them they multiplied and they grew God knew what he was doing because at the end of 400 years y'all that what went in a family came out a nation see you got to understand your incubation period you got to understand you got to understand the time when it seems like nothing's happening the season of no progress the season of affliction the season of trouble the season of pain the season of hurt it's it's an incubation process it means you're not quite ready yet you hadn't become everything that God wants you to be before he releases you so so but you got to remember that while you're in your incubation that God's promise is still true somebody say God's promise is still true and you got to hold on to that promise you got to confess that promise you got to believe that promise you got to stand on that promise. There's a song that says standing on the promises of God my Savior. You got to stand on the promises of God. Believe that whatever God said he's going to do, he's going to do. If healing has been promised, it's going to happen. If provision has been promised, it's going to happen. It might not happen right now, but you hang in there. It's going to happen for you. And the reason I read this thing, and, and that's, I know it seems disconnected, but it's not. Because I, I, taught, I, I read this thing about David and Mephibosheth because David had a relationship with Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father. And Jonathan says, when you become king, Promise not to kill me. Because whenever a new monarch took over, he would kill everyone remaining from the old monarchy. So Saul was on the, on the way out. David was on the way in. So Jonathan said, not only do I want you to promise to look out for me, look out for my sons. Now, Jonathan and Saul have been killed. And Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth. Okay? Mephibosheth's name was changed to Mephibosheth. It used to, it used to uh, 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 represent, his name used to represent Baal. And, and I, I want to see if I, can, if I can find that because it's so powerful what his name was. It, it, was, it, it, it used to represent Baal, but now he has a new name and it's called Mephibosheth. And, 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 and Mephibosheth's name meant idol breaker. His old name, Merbaal, represented the god Baal. But then his name's changed to Mephibosheth, which means idol breaker. It also means he comes from a place called Lodabar, which means no pasture. Which means that there's nothing growing, there's nothing happening. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The place where it seems like nothing's growing and nothing's manifesting and no promises are coming to pass. He's in Lodibar waiting on David to look for him. But he doesn't know that. He doesn't know anything about the promise. He doesn't know anything about the covenant. He doesn't know anything about David and Jonathan. All he knows is that his father's dead and he's in a poor place. 
Jesus, help me here. But the name Mephibosheth, it, it means uh, to, to re like removing shame. Now, let me come down here because I'm not going to mess with these notes today anyway. So, removing what shame? The shame of Saul. The one that God put in place by the, by the mouths of the people who did not obey God and follow God's will. So he was ashamed to the family. But now Mephibosheth is being raised up and he is going to remove shame from his family name. Now, let's go back to this point here. Mephibosheth is in Lodabar and David when he comes back from conquering Mephibosheth's uncle who tries to take the throne forcibly away from David, David knocks him out of play and now David is in his kingdom and he says, is there anyone of the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God to? Now what blows my mind is that he wants to find somebody from the house of Saul, not one of Jonathan's children. He says Saul, which means no matter how nasty Saul was, it was not going to block the blessing that David had for one of his seed. Can I tell you that there's nobody who can keep God from doing what God wants to do in your life, not even you. So, so let me tell the story, okay? So David rises up and David says, is there anyone of the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God to. And, and so he has a guy named Ziba. Ziba comes, he said, yes, there is uh, uh, somebody, Jonathan's son. Um, he doesn't say his name. Um, he doesn't say anything. He says, but he's lame in his feet. And that's the first thing we know about this young man is that he's lame in his feet. We don't even get his name. We, we don't even get his name. All we get is his description. All we know about him at this point is where he's from and his description. And he lives in a poor place, and he's lame in both his feet. All we know is where he lives and what's wrong with him. Oh, Jesus. See, so that's, see, that's the thing. Watch this. All we know about him is where he lives and, and, and what's wrong with him. So, see, we got location, and then we got lameness. So location is not good because Lodabar doesn't seem like a place where somebody could be blessed. Lodabar is kind of like living in a, in a poverty-stricken place. You know what I'm saying? Like in the inner city, come out and talk to me. You understand? See, a lot of y'all thinking about where you came from, but I'm about to bless your socks off with this word right here. And so being lame in both his feet means he couldn't walk on his own or he couldn't walk straight. You feel what I'm saying? So see, some of us, you know what? No matter how hard we try, I need everybody to watch me. All eyes on me. One, two, three. All eyes on me. Watch it. Some of you, as hard as you try, you can't walk straight. You're trying to walk according to that word, but you just can't do it. As hard as you try, come on here. I need somebody to be honest with me. As hard as you try, you just can't stay in that word. You try, but you just keep falling and you keep stumbling. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Somebody who walks out of the, come on, somebody who stumbles sometimes. Jump up to your feet and say, help me, Jesus. Help me. I tried not to cuss her out, but I did it anyway. If under my breath I still cussed, I tried. Not to worry, but I just, I just can't walk straight all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Lame in both your feet. If, if you were lame in one foot, you might be able to make it, but both of them can't walk right. Can't walk right. He says, watch this. He says, I want to bless somebody. Don't even worry about the scriptures today. Y'all off. He says, he says, I want to bless somebody. I, I, I've got to find somebody. Because I got a blessing. I got to get out of me. I got to get this blessing out. Y'all remember the song? I, I got to praise. I got to praise and I got to get it out. I got to praise. Yes, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But guess what he said? I, I got a blessing. I got a blessing and I got to get it out. I got a blessing. God says, got to get this thing to somebody. And holding this thing. David said, I got to find somebody. The blessing was seeking Mephibosheth out. Isn't there a scripture that says something about the blessing coming upon you and overtaking you? Didn't, 
People around here chasing blessings. You ought to be chased. We got around here, people around here, Elder Johnson, chasing paper. Paper ought to be chasing you. I ain't chasing nothing. I trust God to bring it to me. The woman of God prophesied over my life about 10 years ago. She said, man of God, you are a money magnet. I looked at her. I said, I received that. A magnet? Oh, God, bring it on. And for a while, I didn't see nothing. But then all of a sudden, Jesus. So he said, he says, I need to find somebody. I need to find somebody to be to show the kindness of God to. Listen to what he says. I want to show the kindness of God to somebody. Is there anybody in the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God to? If we took that in layman's term, is there anybody of the house of Saul whose life I can change? Ready to change somebody's life. And he said, yes, there's a son of his, Jonathan. His name, Jonathan's son. Uh, he's lame in both his feet. And then so David says, go get him. Now, if we go too fast, we won't catch the beauty of the moment. Zeba doesn't even tell David his name. He only tells him what's wrong with him. As if no one was wrong with him would change David's mind. But David said, go get him anyway, because his lameness don't bother me. You got to understand, there's what's wrong with you. Don't bother God. If he's planned to bless you, George, Jesus, what's not right with you ain't going to change it. Because, <laughs> see, he don't work like us. Waiting on people to get perfect before we do something for them. God don't work like other, because if God was waiting on us to get perfect, nobody in here would be blessed. All the imperfect people shout glory. So I don't know why church people walking around acting like they're perfect. And that's the reason God blessed me. God blessed me because I pray. God blessed me because I fast. God blessed me because I quote scripture. God blessed me because I hopped around on my left foot. No, he didn't. He blessed you because he's good. Then other people don't think God will do anything for them. Let me, let me go get him. Go get him and bring him here. So he goes to Lodabar. And he retrieves Mephibosheth. And he brings Mephibosheth back to David. And Mephibosheth falls on his face before David. And that's the right thing to do because David is a king. But also he's scared. Because he's thinking that David is going to kill him. Now Mephibosheth, this lame boy, has got an audience with the king. Now Mephibosheth is not lame because of what he did. Mephibosheth is lame because of what somebody else did. Because when Mephibosheth's nurse found out that Saul and Jonathan were dead, she knew the traditions of the monarchs. And so she grabbed Mephibosheth and ran from the house. But while she was running, she dropped him. And at, at that age of about four, he was lame in both his feet. So he's lame not because he fell but because somebody dropped him. So see, there's some things that are going on with us that have been passed on. But God says, even that's not going to stop me from changing your life. I want to change your life, no matter who was there or who wasn't. No matter what they did to you, I want to turn your whole life around. See, his, and the reason I went back to that is because a lot of us are so focused on what happened to us. 
And we're holding ourselves in that place as if God can't do something beyond that act. Somebody reach out and touch your neighbor and say, God can bless you anyway. So you've been through some stuff. So you had some things happen. So some people mistreated you. So some folk walked out of your life. So there wasn't a daddy in the house. So mama left 10 years ago. I, I'm not minimizing that. I'm just saying things happen to everybody. But what I want you to know is God can still change your life. What somebody did to you, what somebody said about you, they called you stupid, that don't mean a doggone thing. What did God call you? Some, I wish somebody would come in here with me. What did God say about you? What's God's word? I don't feel like I came to preach today. I feel like I came to have a conversation. We got to get past that stuff. Somebody nudge your neighbor and say, get past it. Tell them, get out of your emotions. Because covenant has nothing to do with emotions. Covenant has to do with promise. And if you know what God said, it don't matter how you feel. You could be having a bad day and God can still be good to you. Somebody say amen in here. See, that's, that's the thing. We're so caught up in our feelings and what happened and I went through this and I went through that. There's no way that God can be good to me. God searched this man out. He searched this man out. I know David's doing it, but God did it through David. David says, fear not. I'm not going to kill you. Fear not. He says, I got plans for you. He says, I got plans for you to eat at my table continually. You're going to eat at my table forever, as long as you live, son. He says, but he says, here's what's going to happen. He says, all of the land that your grandfather owned, he says, I'm going to give it all back to you. Every bit of property. He says, now, Zeba, there's 35 of y'all. I believe it's 15 sons and 20 servants. He says, y'all work for Mephibosheth now. You are going to keep his property for him. You're going to provide bread for Mephibosheth. But I thought he was eating at the king's table. If Mephibosheth's eating at the king's table, why are they providing bread for Mephibosheth? It's because Mephibosheth has a family. Oh, Jesus. Mephibosheth's at the table with his family still at the house. So he puts staff in place, watch this, to do what Mephibosheth can't. Let me say this to you. When God gets ready to do something for you, Nelson, he will line that thing up and supply you with what you don't have in order to manifest what he promised. Mephibosheth can't keep no crops. Because he can't walk. So God gives him a staff of 35 in order to keep his place. Now, watch this now. Just a few verses ago, he was living with somebody else in a poor place. So he was a boarder, wasn't he? A boarder is somebody who lives in somebody else's house. He was a boarder. He goes from being a boarder to the boss with just a word. Just a word. Just a word. Just a word. Covenant. Promise. Just a word. Change the thing. Y'all get that? David says, these men now work for you. How you going to bless a dead dog such as myself? You're going to bless somebody like me. That's what he asked David. Isn't that something to say, Warner? Call yourself a dead dog? Why are you being good to me? Does that sound familiar? Why are, you, why are you being so good to me? Some people been through so much hell. Y'all excuse me. But even when God being good to them, they're looking for the other shoe to drop. God can holler, they can't even get blessed comfortably. Because they're scared something's going to go wrong. I'm not talking to nobody in here, though. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? You get blessed and you start looking for something. Can't even enjoy what God's doing. Just, I know something's going to go wrong. I ain't never had these many things go right in my life at one time. Something's got to go wrong. 
it's because of how we see ourselves. We see ourselves as so undeserving of the blessings of God that there's no way God would bless somebody like me. See, you don't know my background. See, and a lot of times God will speak a word over this house, and I can look in people's faces and tell they're not receiving it. And it's not that they're not receiving it because they don't believe God is capable. They just don't think God will because they keep looking at themselves. That's why the scripture never asked you to be watching you. Keep your eyes on him. We look at ourselves long enough, sure enough, we'll get discouraged. I need somebody to talk to me. We, we watch ourselves long enough, we will find something wrong. But a few weeks ago, didn't we hear the word of the Lord said that if you're present when a word is spoken, that's yours? So if you're sick and the word of healing was spoken, if you were present when it was spoken, that's your word? That that word wasn't for somebody two rows over, that was yours? And all you got to do is reach out and grab that thing and receive it? Somebody say, I receive. So he says, he says, why are you fooling up with somebody like me? David didn't even answer him. He, go, he looks right over to Zeba and says, Zeba, go get your people. You work for him now. Zeba says, show enough, son, no problem. I get my sons and my twin. Listen now, this dude, took, he had 20 servants. So y'all, y'all got to understand this. So he had to go back to his 20 and tell them, you work for me for him. God took somebody, Didi, with more than he had and made them serve him. Jesus. I just got something right there. What if God brought you into the company of somebody who has more than you? Will you be intimidated or see an opportunity? ask God, why, why did you let me be around these people? I was in the room with, with the, I was in the room the other day with the governor and with judges and, and lawyers and CEOs and I'm walking around the room with a tuxedo shaking people's hand and, and, and I'm walking around and I'm shaking the guys I'm standing next to the governor talking to him and I'm saying to myself, what in the world am I doing here? God must be up to something big. I don't know what it is, but he's up to something big. And he showed me stuff years ago that I thought was too big for God to do. And let me tell you something, he's done it. I believe that the big rooms you've been in is so that you can see what it looks like before you get there. <laughs> Every now and then, God lets you get into something that's way bigger than you so that he can give you a sneak preview of what it is he wants to do in your life. Anybody that believes that, shout hallelujah up in here. This is way, way bigger than me, but God, I believe you're letting me see a preview of the blessing of God that is about to be released over my life. And I'm not intimidated by these people because these people might well one day serve me. Isn't that something? A rich man now serves a poor man. He went to David's house with nothing. And the only reason he got what he got, watch this, is because of who his daddy was. You know what? People don't appreciate relationships anymore. We're in this newfangled way of thinking now. I don't need nobody. I meant to say it like that. I, I, I know it's, I, I don't need anybody, but that's not how we say it. I don't need nobody. I don't need you. I can do this by myself. Now, that's not true. You cannot do this by yourself. Oh, you're going to need somebody. Everybody needs somebody. You're going to need somebody with your independent self. The reason you're independent because you don't want to submit to nobody. You want to hear nobody. Don't want nobody to tell you when you're wrong. 
Thank you, Holy Ghost. That's why you don't want nobody around. Because you just want cheerleaders. You don't, you don't want challengers. You just want cheerleaders. You just want people to just be on your side. Want nobody to have you read your word? What did the Bible say? I don't need him. Make me sick anyway. Cuss the boss out. Know we need a job. And then shock when we get fired. I can't believe he fired me. All I did was told him I wasn't going to do the job that I asked him to give me. That's all I did. All I did was say, I'm not picking that trash up. Now, you hired to pick up trash. I ain't picking that up. I ain't cleaning no toilet. What's wrong with you? You clean a toilet at your house and don't get no money. Oh, somebody shout in here. Not somebody want to give you $10 to clean a toilet and you too uppity. I ain't going way across town. That take too much time. The man hired you to go across town. You asked him to hire you. He wasn't looking for you. I'm, I'm not talking about, it, about anybody, but I'm just saying. We don't appreciate relationships, mother. People God placed in our life to help us get there. Then when it looked like we're getting there, we cut ties. We, they help, the person helps us get to the brink of success. Say, I got it from here. I don't need you. I know as much scripture as you do. They told me I preach better than you anyway. I remember people, people used to come to me. I'm going to tell it. People used to come to me. I like it when you teach Bible study. I wish pastor would let you teach Bible study more often. I said, you need to go on with that. Because I need the word. And I know there ain't no way. No way on this here green earth I teach Bible study near as good as him. So don't be trying to pump my head up to get me to believe all that stuff. That's my spiritual father. And no matter how high I go, I still need that connection. If I do more than him, he's still my spiritual father. This young man right here is my dad if I become a millionaire. Still my daddy. I still need that wisdom. I still need that connection. And I probably became one because of what he sold into me. If his daddy had been anybody else, we wouldn't hear this story. Being connected to the right people. Make amazing things happen. If his daddy Dane would have been Jethro instead of Jonathan. Oh, y'all got to catch that. If his daddy had been anybody else but Jonathan, we wouldn't even know Mephibosheth. Only reason we're talking about him today is because of who his daddy was. Relationships. There are people that God has placed in your life to help you get where he wants you to go. We got to learn how to appreciate those connections. Could be business connections. They could be family members. They could be spiritual connections. They could be all types of connections that God has made for you. And everybody you're connected to, you ready for this? You might not always like them a lot. Doesn't mean they can't help you. Some of the people you don't like, some of the best folk for you. So anyway, says, Zika says, Zeba says, yes, yeah, sure, we'll do it. No problem. Got it. And then it, then it, then the story trails off. What I read earlier, Mephibosheth sat down at the king's table 
continually. And what's beautiful about that part of the story is this. When his feet were under the table, you couldn't tell what was going on. With his feet under the table, he looked just like everybody else. Ain't God all right. So Didi, he looked just like the princess and the king. You know what? He looked like he belonged. He just fit right on in there, didn't he? Ain't God all right? Won't he do it? You feeling out of place, Warner, but the people who see you say, you look just right up there. You had somebody say that to you. You say, because see, you know, Warner, God's blessing Warner. And, 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 and that thing Warner's called to do, that he has to do, that he's not 100% comfortable with. But he looks so, so smooth doing it because God's hand is on him. People won't even know it was a struggle. Your feet are under the table, brother. Your feet are under the table. <laughs> People look at you and say, you did that so easy. Did I tell you that? Girl, you flowed with that thing. They don't know you up all night studying that thing, going over it. Johnson? Johnson been preparing that sermon for a week. He talked to me about it on my way to the office the other day. He's been studying and studying. He got up there and preached that word, boy. Oh, God, I bless your name. Oh, Lord. And everybody was like, whoa, that boy can preach. He looked, he looked like he fit up there. But what you didn't know. So on the way up here, he was saying, Father, I stretch. You fit right in. You know why you fit? Because that's your place. You just, said, you just arrived at your place. And we're the seed of Abraham. In the spirit, Abraham is like our father. And whatever God promised to Abraham is now helping me, apostle. Promised to us. We're his seed. And when God promised to be good to Abraham and his seed, that means you. So what you have to do is walk in covenant. Believe the word of God. Trust the word of God. Look for it to come. And when it looked like it's coming, George, move toward it. Don't be intimidated by the relationships, Donna, that God allows to come your way. When someone bigger than you, Nelson, comes, it could well be a sign that your helper has arrived. So the thing is, watch this, you never know who that person is. So that means you have to treat everybody like they could be the one. I bet you Mephibosheth never knew, Sister Moore, that one day Zeba would be his servant. They had known each other all along. But that covenant, that thing's a game changer. You introduce covenant to the situation, mother, God just changes things. So the covenant relationship that I want you to regard highly is your relationship with him. Regard that highly. Don't treat it like any other relationship. Let's not think that it doesn't matter to God how we live. See, I understand that you're lame in your feet, but that has nothing to do with the things that we just decide to do. Because some of us will say somebody dropped me, but some of us are just falling. And we're not falling by mistake. 
we're falling on purpose. And we're, relig- we're living in that religious type of system where I can do whatever I want to do, and then I can repent, and I can come back and serve in God's house. I can do anything because it doesn't really matter. God, it's, but see, remember I said there's a covenant of correction too. And people will be wondering, why is this stuff happening in my life? It's correction. Why does it seem held up? Why, why am I still in the incubator? Why hadn't it happened yet? Got to get right with God. Because God wants to do it, but he's not going to do it until you're ready. He is not going to release great power into the hands of somebody who is not mature enough to handle it. Let's just be obedient and watch God overflow. Who wants to be a blessing to people? Who wants to be a blessing to people? Don't even focus on that. Just be obedient. I used to get up here and pray, Lord, help me to preach the word. Help me, Lord God, to be useful. Help me, God, to be. And, 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 and I read something the other day, and it rebuked me. And it said, just be obedient, and God will take care of how useful you are. So you want to be blessing the, you want to be a blessing to people? Just be obedient. When God tell you to say, say hello, say hey. And if you can bless somebody that you don't quite care for, you can bless anybody. We can't take this lightly. I believe that there's a covenant promise over your life that God is ready to release into your life. But he wants to see your obedience. He wants to see your love. Not perfection. He needs to see the connection. Is this mine? Because I can only release what I have to mine. You gotta, you, I need to know you mine. Oh, Mother Trapio! I need to know your mind because I need to be able to make the connection because it has to be authentic that this is Jonathan's son. I got to make sure the blood's the same because I can't give this to a counterfeit. This thing passes through fathers. That's the only the only thing that must be. You got to be kin. That's the one thing that can't vary. You got to be family. And how do I look like him? Because what does he look like? How do I, how do I, because you see, you know, you have some, some people, you say, that child look just like so-and-so. Even brand new babies, which, by the way, I don't think a brand new baby look like nobody. That's just my opinion. Oh, she looks so much like Sue. No, she don't. Don't look like nobody. Brand new baby. Anyway, that's just pastor. Y'all pray for me here. Well, it looks just like so-and-so, just like so-and-so. How do you look like God? How do you look like your father? Because he's a spirit, so it can't be physical. How do you look like your daddy, Portia? I reckon you act like him. You do what he would do. You say what he would say. And then he's able to say, now that Nelson, that's my boy. Now I can release what I want him to have into his life. I understand that he has some foot problems, but that's my boy. See what I'm saying? He knows 
what you struggle with. He knows your history. He knows all of that, but it doesn't change his heart towards you. God's heart towards you is still good. He wants so badly for us to be his kids that he gave his son, Jesus. To me, Jonathan represents Jesus. He's the connection to the one with the blessing. And without that, you can't get the covenant stuff. You got to be in relationship with Jesus. Didn't Jesus say it? No man comes to the Father but by me. So you can't get what's in the Father's hand unless you're connected to Jesus. You got to be saved. For real. Not a church member. Jesus doesn't say whoever go to church. No. You got to be in a relationship with Jesus. And when you're in a relationship with Jesus, it manifests itself in how you live. No more church only stuff. Somehow I'm going to sing myself into his good graces. I'm going to preach myself into his good graces. I'm going to doorkeep myself in. No. Gotta be in relationship with Jesus. And if you're here today and you're not, and I don't care how long you've been a part of church, if you're here today and you're not, you need to fix that today. If you've been going to church all your life but you've never gotten saved, you have never confessed with your mouth and truly believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead for your sins. You need to do it today. That confession and that belief says, I believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to redeem me from my sins. If, if you have not done that, would you please join me right here, right now? Don't let having...